0: Welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where each week we're joined by a new personality who we've signed to a one-day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network. Follow us on Twitter at the Riot Network to stay up to date on all of your favorite pods. Subscribe, rate, love us on iTunes, hit those five stars. My name is Nikki Wolf. With me as always, Josh Klein, managing editor for the Riot Report, co-host of It Is What It Is, and had a dream last night that the Hornets traded down, so we know it must be coming true, right? Yeah. That's happening.
1: I don't know if you guys have ever had a, a dream that's like so specifically sports-related, but not only do I know that they traded down, I know that James Wiseman was on the board at three, and they traded from three to six, but I do not know what they did with that six pick. I'm going to assume hmm. uh, that they drafted Denny, obviously, my guy, am
0: we're all it's all
1: draft right now i know we're going to talk about the panthers but i'm i'm much more fired up about the hornets for the next 12 hours until something terrible terrible happens and then i'll be then i'll be ready to go back to panthers time
0: well let's relish in these 12 hours then Mm -hmm. (laughs) our other pal colin hoggard columnist and contributor for the riot report and isn't even eating brussels sprouts because it sounds too much like a certain point guard rumored to come to Charlotte. Hello,
2: Colin. Just give me my old eight or nine pick back. And st- like, this is what I get. We move up to the third pick, and all I get is, is trade rumors about a 32-year-old point guard who's never amounted to anything. Look, he's fun to watch. Whoa, he's great. former MVP. Oh, great. Hey, he had triple doubles during his first round exits. Whoop-de-damn-do. This isn't what we're here for. If this is all I get with the third pick, just give me the eighth pick and leave me alone
0: everything's great
2: nikki everything's great
0: everything's great love it wow positive energy right
1: off the bat (laughs) very exciting
0: let's bring our guest in on the one day contract this week phil Orban, sports director for wsoc and really sad that he accidentally left his camera on while waiting for the panthers press conference to start last week accidentally
3: nope yeah two things not accidental and i'm not embarrassed in the slightest here's my thing what are you guys doing when your cameras are off? Because I'm working, I'm not ashamed of it. I, I said it on Twitter, I am comfortable in my own skin. You are free to take a peek into my life if you'd like. But, uh, but yeah, I, I will never hide behind a, uh, a, a screen with just my name on it. How's that?
1: What about a, a stack of poker chips as your avatar?
3: That or, was, oh. or, or, or I could be uh, drinking a cup of coffee. You know, one of those. But uh no, I you get this is you get the Phil experience. If you're at a press conference with me, we can't be in a room together physically, but we can be in a Zoom waiting room together. I'm proud of it. So you can't you can't shame me no matter how hard you try. I appreciate
2: this. I really do. I think I think showing up being being visible, I think that's important. You gotta know people aren't tubing,
3: you know, on Zoom calls. I'm telling you, like, I, wh- what do you got? What are you guys hiding? Is what I want to know. When you turn your cameras off, what are you hiding? Count
2: six inches. <laughs> Jesus.
3: I was going to say I'm usually <laughs> eating cereal, but uh, that's
1: a much better answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we start the show with Nikki's super important question, and I mean full transparency, uh, we're we're recording this on the day of the NBA draft, so. Um, when you guys hear this, this has all been recorded before the draft. So, for the important question this week, we're doing Hornets Corner. So, everybody, you got a minute, and a minute to give me whatever Hornets thought, prophecy, rant, whatever you would like. And I think we're going to start with Phil. Let's let's start with our guest this week.
3: Well, I appreciate that. That's very kind of you. Um, you know <sighs> – the, the purgatory that the Hornets have been in picking in the middle of the first round for however many years uh, it, it, it has been so tough because, like, I remember Steve Clifford talking about this, where he's like, rookies, it, it's it's hard to find a guy that's going to change your program in, like, the middle of the first round. and And finally, finally, they get lucky in the lottery and they move up to three and it's in, like, the most bizarre season in the most bizarre situation where like you don't have the NCAA tournament you don't really have a look at these guys and and everybody loves Anthony Wiseman and like that's fine I'm not a draft Nick by any means Mm -hmm. but um but one of the things (laughs) and Josh and I were talking about this earlier how you read one thing and then you're like attached to it so I read Hollinger's piece on like his top 20 guys and he doesn't like Anthony Wiseman so I'm out on him you know just like a pure like there's not really a space in the league for a pure five anymore and he only played three college games and and maybe if he was in the ncaa tournament he really dominated like maybe i'd be on board a little bit but um i i turn into a big lamello guy because i feel like there are pieces that can score on this team and he's a great distributor like i feel like if you're not going to get a guy that really fills it up get a guy that can that can share the ball and uh and, and kind of build off him, and then maybe you, get, you maybe get one of those free agent pieces that that can really kind of change the shape of a team, like a Russell West, Westbrook. Just kidding, I don't say I'm not say i do not i bring him, But but yeah, <laughs> give me a, give me Lamelo if he's off the board, trade down. Give me Obi Toppin. Let me get some dunks. Let me get some up and down the floors.
1: Yeah, I go. like dunks. Dunks, I love dunks. Like yeah, let's let's do more dunks. Let's do more of those.
0: Dunk um, City. All right, Josh, you're up. Oh,
1: okay, so here's the thing. Usually, rookies have between uh, three and four months between the NBA draft and the start of the season, including training camp, OTAs, minicamp. Because of the way that the schedule is working, none of that is happening. They are are getting drafted tonight, and in less than five weeks, they will be playing their first game. So whatever rookie you're going to draft, they're not going to be ready for the NBA. They're going to be bad next year. So you know what? Let's lean into it and give me the most raw guy there is. Or let's trade down and get another uh, 2021 draft pick. That's what that's, that's my big takeaway here. If somebody is offering me, if any team comes up and says, I want the number three pick and I will give you our 2021 draft pick. Boom. I'm snapping that up immediately and I'm moving back because this team, I don't think there's anybody in this league, in this game, in this draft that is transcendent. And again, just like Phil said, I base that on the five highlight videos that I've watched <laughs> and the six articles that I've read. And uh, obviously, the best case scenario for this is they trade down and somehow still end up with Denny, and I'm buying uh, a Charlotte Hornets yamaka, a yamacha, if you will, and I'm wearing it to every single game once we get back to the stadium.
0: Colin. Now,
2: now, is anyone allowed to participate in the, in the Yamacha, or is that like a thing that, like, you just I don't
1: think stay i don't, in my
2: lane. Like, I, I just want to be supportive if we got a Donnie, you know. I just I'm just trying to fit in.
1: Great question. I don't, I would not get offended, but I feel like there are some people that may get offended if you if you culturally appropriate the Yamacha, but it doesn't mean that, uh, that I won't vouch for you.
2: I well, why we I'll find it. A, what, why aren't we calling it a Chamaka?
1: See, because this is Josh came up
2: with the idea, and not you.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: that's that's what we call a
2: punch up. Very well, professional.
1: I, that's why you're. I impressed.
2: will. Uh, I'll find something that is perhaps more kosher that I can do to support Dan if he's on the on the team. Um, this year, more than any other, I don't know how we know. I I, I know this will be. People will be you know listening to this after the draft. I don't know how anybody could really be mad. Um, unless you get Russell Westbrook, then you have every right to be mad. But if whatever the pick is, it, it's imperfect. All of these guys are imperfect. we talked about it for all the reasons. These guys aren't transcendent. Three games, they're playing 12 games over here in different countries. This year, I think more than any other, you just have to trust the front office. And I think with Mitch in charge for the first time in a long time, I think people feel like there's a reason to trust. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about what they do tonight, and I'm excited about where this team's headed, I think. Nikki, think, who do you want
0: them to draft? I just hope everyone has fun.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're rooting for nice suits. Are are guys doing Zoom suits? Are we doing Zoom suits tonight? I hope so. Yeah. Like, I hope so I think too. We should take
0: care him. He looks nice. He just he looks nice and let's go that route. You know, if you
2: if you're if you thought you were gonna get drafted and say the top four, if you don't follow Phil's, you know, uh, integrity plan of zoom you can just switch off the video and no one will know that you're sitting there stalling for for the next 10 15 picks there's no aaron Rodgers in the green room type situation tonight because it's like
1: oh i guess uh it looks like killian hayes is not no longer on the zoom here but really he's there
2: (laughs) technical difficulties
0: Well, all right, let's jump into football talk. We're going to start with just kind of a round-robin of news that's highlighting this week. Let's start with CMC. There's some conflicting reports on what's going on here with this injury. Some national guys are saying it could be multiple weeks. Rule says he thinks he's back Sunday. What are we expecting here? Josh, what do you know? What do you know, Josh?
1: What do I know or what do I think? What do I know? Well, I know that Christian McCaffrey is not going to be at practice today. I know that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be at practice today. What that means for Sunday, I don't know. I, 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 think, that, um, I think ultimately Christian is going to flirt with playing, certainly in the public eye, and then probably sit out for at least another week. I think Teddy, I, I really do think it's going to depend on how he feels. I mean, we haven't talked to him since he left the field and went to the locker room. And, uh, we, all we can go on is, you know, Rappaport and Chris Mortensen and what Matt rule says. So, um, I, I think that if it's a MCL sprain and it's a question of, can he play through the pain? I, I think he is the kind of guy that's going to tough it out. Now, do I think that's a good idea? No, I don't. Because when you have a knee injury, sometimes you tend to overcompensate by putting more pressure on the other knee. Has Teddy Bridgewater had any knee problems in his past? Yes, he has. So, if he's not 100 100%, if he's 80%, I'm good. Just
3: Yeah, so one of the things that, that I thought was interesting, and, and Josh, you, you might have some insight into this as well, is is it feels like Matt Rule's code word is hopeful, right, that, that they're going to play. Because, uh, like, you remember how Ron used to always be like, well, we'll, we'll wait and see how he feels tomorrow. And like, that was his code for, like, he's probably going to play um unless he has a setback and I feel like that's Matt's thing because before the Falcons game when he's like is, is Christian gonna come back blah 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 he was he was like nah like you know probably not we'll see what happens and then the next week he was like we're well, hopefully he's gonna come back and then he said the same thing about Christian this week where he said he's hopefully he's gonna come back and he said he's hopeful Teddy's gonna come back and it looks like Teddy's maybe on track to play um and it feels like um, you know, I was talking to Joe person about this and, and he was saying that, uh, it's, it's at this point, it's like a pain management issue more than anything. Um, you know, it's not a lower body thing. It's an upper body thing. And I think if you're, you know, if it was an ankle or a knee or a foot, then you're more careful and, and I don't know, it, it, fe- it feels like he's probably going to try to give it a go. And, and it sounds like they're willing to at least let him, let him try. You know what I mean?
2: As I look forward with this season, I really have to wonder if – and I know CMC wants to get it back out there. I think that there may be – I wonder if we don't feel different if he doesn't think a 1,000 yards from scrimmage is an option for the season. Like, I think for a guy of his caliber that has the career he has, he doesn't want to have, like, one of these years that's a completely lost year. And I think as long as he could have a decent season, I think he, I think he would like to be out there. But I, I do think as the game's – draw shorter here we become more realistic about what what the season is and has been um maybe you are more inclined to shut him down but I I also think we have to be very leery about turning off trying to trying to treat competitiveness like it's a it's a switch that you can just cut on and cut off I think you know if if this is a guy that's prepared for this for the offseason all this year these guys want to play these games it means something to them it's what they get paid to do um, I think you just have to be – I think you have to be careful here if you're a coach about trying to overmanage the player, um, even though you're doing it under the auspices of being smart. I think you let the player do kind of dictate in these
0: spots. In terms of Teddy, if he is not a go on Sunday, which quarterback do you want to see out there?
1: I have a strong opinion. Uh, and my strong opinion Shocker. is – uh Yeah, is, uh, is Will Greer because I think, I, I think there is a large percentage of the Panthers fan base that would love to see P.J. Walker out there and see what P.J. can do. Um, in my opinion, I think it's much more important that the Panthers see what Will Greer can do than, it, than see what P.J. Walker can do. Will Greer, they invested a lot of draft capital in, in last year, whether or not you want to call the 100th pick a lot of draft capital. They invested some draft capital in him. P.J. Walker has basically nothing except for uh, a little bit over the veterans minimum invested into him. And when you look at Will Greer, you need to decide whether or not he is going to be a part of this quarterback room going forward. And he admitted last year that he was not ready for his audition. He played the last two weeks, week 16 and 17. They threw him into a really bad situation. The offensive line was terrible. Uh, He was running for his life out there. But he admitted he was not ready mentally and maybe not even physically. This year, if he goes in and he's not ready mentally or physically, then you need to say, okay, well, Will Greer is not going to be part of our quarterback plans moving forward. If that's the case, then that's fine. This is an evaluation year, and so it's better to find out that you don't have it rather than go into next year and be like, well, we haven't really even seen Will Greer and get meaningful game reps. So if Teddy can't go, or just like like I said before, if Teddy is at 80%, Put Will out there. Let's see what happens. And if and if he craps the bed, then he craps the bed. There's still you can still have, bring P.J. Walker back. But if he is good, then you need to find it out now. And if he's bad, you also need to find it out now. I,
3: I oh, wow. one thousand yeah, a, a, a thousand percent agree for for all the reasons that you said, but also. We see such uh such an an increase in development in quarterbacks between year one and year two, and I think if there was ever a year to not have a preseason like this, it really hurt the Panthers because they didn't they don't get a chance to to see their quarterbacks play, and I think you know Josh to your point, the situation that he was thrown out in last year is is such a is such a difficult situation for a, a rookie to come in and essentially essentially be playing for a team that has, I don't want to say quit, but like, uh, you know, there, there was not a lot of, there was not a lot of want to in those guys. Um, and, and it's just, it's, 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 it would be, it would be a shame to have that be the evaluation for Will Greer moving forward, right? Like just that short game or, or that short stretch where he gets hurt and then, he never throws another pass as a, as a Carolina Panther. I think that would be a shame um, because he was pretty good at West Virginia and you know, maybe give him a shot not to be the quarterback of the future, but maybe he could be a serviceable backup. Maybe we could kind of see what he has. So yeah, give him a shot. And just to be clear, PJ Walker's under contract for next year too. So there's no, you
1: don't need to evaluate him right now. You can bring him back and evaluate him during training camp. I think it's more important to evaluate Will Greer. Or Bill Greer.
2: Would, not, not from a fantasy standpoint, but you, would you guys kind of handcuff here, you know, Teddy and CMC? Like, I feel like if if one's going, I'm more inclined to have the other one out there, and if the other one's not out there, I'm less inclined to have – does that make any sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, we'll talk about this evaluation period, but at the same time, it's like if you don't give Greer CMC, like, you know,
3: I don't know. Well, he does get if, BMD. That's big Mike Davis. <laughs> and and i think and i think putting you know giving him the offensive line that hasn't been tremendous but has been pretty good i think you know I, and again in in a period of time where you know we're in an evaluation period with this team and the players understand whether or not they're going to be a part of the future of this organization so they're going to be playing hard you know the offensive line is going to be trying the skill position guys are going to be trying like like all that you're going to see that and and whether or not christians out there I, I do think it would be i don't think it would be unfair for will to not have christian mccaffrey because he would have other weapons um and, and i don't necessarily think you want a less than 100 percent christian mccaffrey out there without your starting quarterback because then everybody's keying in on him and that could be a situation where all of a sudden he's touching the ball 45 times and that's not what you want to have on a with a guy managing a, a, a pain tolerance issue well, I also think, and while we're just talking about
1: Christian, this is the time here. I get it. Chris McCaffrey, best running back in the league. He's certainly the best player on the, on the Carolina Panthers. Um, when he does come back, whether it's this week or next week or after the bye or whenever, um, he cannot be on the field for 80% of the snaps. He, he cannot touch the ball 30 times. Like, you have to – this is your time, Matt Rule and Joe Brady, when you have to say, okay, man, we're going to bring you back but we're going to have a healthy balance between you and Mike Davis. And it, I know you don't want to come off the field. I get it. But at the same time, we're going to, you know, you can have 20 touches you can have, you know, like you can be in the game at key periods, but I'm just not going to be throwing you swing passes on second and 22. Like it's just not going to happen because the, he is too important to this team to, to put him out there in what is essentially, and I get it. You don't, you can't quit. End of the season, you want to play hard. You're building a culture and a brand. I get it, but these games are
2: essentially meaningless. Oh, they're not meaningless. We got draft position. We can keep improving. Woo, I'm coming close. Oh yeah, baby! Congratulations to the Vikes this week. Patriots, oh, feeling good. Feeling good. <laughs> I'm not saying that I've already figured out that that three or four of the teams ahead of the Panthers already have a young quarterback in place but you should know that that number is accurate. accurate. You should
1: also know that if uh a few teams win on Sunday and the Panthers don't, they would be in they would have the third draft pick in the NFL draft starting on Monday.
2: I think I think But it doesn't happen is, on Monday, so it doesn't matter. But 3 is 3 is the most realistic option. I don't think with I don't think this team could have out-tanked the Jets. You know, like even if we if we scroll back time to the beginning of the year when people wanted to tank, I just don't think you're
3: out-tanking the jets
1: i got some thoughts on tanking but we're gonna get to it later on in the
3: oh okay good because i have i have them too so i can't wait (laughs) i hope i get to go first
1: and now we go to break (laughs) coming back i'm gonna tell you
3: why
0: (laughs) uh any other cmc teddy injury thoughts tidbits before we move on
3: i i i I just want to agree with colin i i do like the idea of of if teddy's back having Christian back as well, not throwing Christian out with Will Greer. I wish I thought of that. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. I,
2: I like – and I like – You and can use it on the news and then yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> yours. Yeah. I like – I think Josh's compromise is right too, especially if Christian's pushing his way back. You go, okay, Christian, you you can absolutely play. We want to have you out there. But just like Josh said, 15 to 20, we're going to put you on that on, on a pitch count. Let's
0: take a look at the Bucks game, um, as painful as it, it may be what do you do here? Do you burn the tape or is this something that you learn from? Is this, is this a loss that you learn something from? Phil, let's start with you on this one.
3: So I I think more than, than learning from the game itself, I think we're going to learn a lot about Matt rule and, and how he's going to, to handle situations like this, because all the losses before that were feel good losses, well, they were right in it you know they were uh, they were one possession away, and like you know the three games they won like like look at how good that win was against the cardinals and 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 all that sort of stuff. but this is the first loss where you could see it kind of emotionally affect the players during the game, right? Like you saw Robbie on the sideline and he's just like, you know, and and all these guys are competitors and they, and they all want to win and Matt rule comes in and and there's a big difference between coaching college athletes and coaching professionals. Right. And so Matt rule can, you know, at Baylor, he can do the rah, rah stuff. Like, Hey, you know, we can come back next week and, and we can play with anybody and you can, I, I go back to Steve, to, to Steve Clifford because one of the things we were talking about. Just quick aside, we were talking about the 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 the, Miami, the most recent Miami Heat playoff series, and we were calling back the 2014 series when they were playing against the Big Three, right? LeBron, D Wade, and Chris Bosh and in looking back at that series he was like look these aren't college players you're not going to you're not going to trick them into thinking they're good enough to play with these guys and that's always stuck with me like professionals are different like they understand you can't motivate with that rah-rah stuff in the same way so I want to know how Matt Rule is going to take this butt kicking that he got and channel that into improvements and and See how he's going to build the franchise. If they come out and they play really hard, that's a good sign. If they come out and they don't play great, that's a really, really bad sign for, for what he's going to do. So I, I think it's more, it's less looking back on, on what happened because obviously nobody really played well and more looking back or more looking forward and saying, how are they going to play next? How are they going to practice and kind of go from there? Trend so Cannon t- is listening to this, being like, What what are you talking about? <laughs> right. Sorry. Sorry. I lo-
1: there were a couple guys that played pretty
3: good. Yes, yeah, some of us did okay.
2: Yeah, I know, really ruined my whole kickoff take there. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> Cannon. I appreciate that. <laughs> but but you know what? You know, I'm I'm with you, Phil. And and I was encouraged by what Coach Rule said in a post game press conference. He came out and straight said it. He said, This is unacceptable. That second half was unacceptable. Okay. That, that, for, for you just said the first time this coach encounters this, this is his response. This is unacceptable. This is not who we are. Okay, I, like to me, these games are going to happen. You know they're going to happen. So when they do, it is like you said, all about how they react. I like the he didn't try to go up there and make excuses. He didn't go up there and complain. He said nope, wasn't good enough. Wasn't not acceptable. And and to me, I'm encouraged by that. And like you said, the the real measure is going to be how they come back um this this week even though you know everything we've said about this season being what it is
1: one of the phrases that he used on monday was we let go of the rope a little bit in in the fourth quarter and uh that to me is it's gonna be it's a really it's a nice turn of phrase for what happened because they were kind of close they were you know they were keeping it at least within spitting distance and then all of a sudden it was just like oh and we're it's over so you know the fans are leaving, or let's just try to get out the clock um, here, and and it will be again interesting to see how tight they keep a grip on that rope for the final six games of the season. Because at three and seven, with two more weeks left until the bye, already people are starting to talk about the draft. This podcast included. It will be interesting to see whether or not he can get his players to keep a hold on that rope for the rest of the season, whether they continue to lose or whether they start to win some games, it will be telling to see how the end of this season translates towards the rest of, of his coaching tenure here.
3: And, and I think one of the things that does help is th- this is very clearly an evaluation year, right. And mm-hmm. they have all these young players and, all these guys are are vying to be part of something that will, in theory, be good in the future. So, so they all want to be a part of it. I, like, I think there's less of a, I mean, th- the team last year was just built so differently with all these veterans that, you know, this was their window that was closing and all of a sudden it's closed and it's like, you know, how do you process that, you know, as a professional knowing that maybe you are never going to get to the Super Bowl again. So it's, you know, I think, I think it's different this year. Um, But, but I'm, I'm super interested to see how he's going to like motivate these guys and kind of keep everything together.
2: You know, one thing too, about the second half, the the 98 yard run was obviously a huge play, but I look at that, at the defense and say, you know, and you can't remove that one, but you go field goal, field goal, field goal, the first three, three of the, the other first four drives against that offense. That's the defense to me, doing what they can in that spot. But it felt like the offense really kind of dodged any any kind of responsibility when they put up a, a sweet six points that was set up by an out-of-the-blue kickoff return. And that's it. That's all the offense did in the second half. I, I think that the offense has to take a lot of accountability. And I know people have been pointing to Teddy, but I, I, don't, I don't know where these guys are getting open. I'm not seeing it. it, it this offensive line has been problematic. I still – even though people focus on the 98-yard run, I still focus more on the offense's issues, um, particularly in the second half.
0: Last week, we talked about that kind of kitchen sink mentality. Has that lost its luster already?
2: Well, it
1: certainly the lost blitz. its luster when they <laughs> faked
2: another punt. <laughs> I didn't think it was there that it lost its luster. I thought it was the blitz on, on you know, first and ten of the two-yard line when they gave up a 98-yard run. But that was when it lost its luster a little bit.
3: I, no, I I, I like the, cause it because they they went four on fourth and short early in the game and they got it. Like I I love that mentality. Like there's no reason to kick a field goal against the Bucks. There, there's no there's no reason to kick a field goal ever if you're this team, right? Like like what you know. Unless you should it's always 60 be going. plus.
1: Let's get that record for Joey. Correct. yes Agreed. Sorry. Okay. And Sorry if it gives it us That's a chance,
2: fair. if it gives us a chance to win, let's make sure that it's a 60 yard field
3: goal. <laughs> right. To win, sure field goal. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Take a sack, move back into record range, and then try it. <laughs> um, but no, I, I mean, um, I, I love the aggressiveness. I mean, I, the fake punt call was just, I mean, like, why? Just go for it. Just line up and go for it. You know what I mean? Like, you're yeah. in you're in that territory where even if they hadn't faked punts, to, you know, two games prior, uh, the, the, the previous two weeks, you know, you've got everybody on the sideline being like, Hey, watch out for a, you know, watch out for a fake here. Like this is right in that sweet spot. And, and they just, they dial, dial exactly the the wrong thing to do. Just line up and go for it. Like be aggressive, have faith in your guys. It's worked in the past. If it doesn't work, who cares? They come to the sidelines and they say, Hey, like our coach believes in us. I don't know. I, I, I don't think, I don't think you, you stop the aggressiveness. I just think, you know, maybe not fake a punt again.
0: Are you concerned at all with some of the coaching decisions and coaching staff on this this streak of losses right now?
2: No, not one bit, not not at all. I, I'm really encouraged by this coaching staff. We'll see continue how they, um, you know, how they respond, as we discussed before. But no, I mean, again, Coach Rule has identified things, and and we. An evaluation year. This is this is a this is a tryout. There's guys on this team and we, that aren't going to be here going forward. They are trying to survive on Sundays, not thrive by pressuring other defense or the offenses and stuff like that. They're just. I, I, I'm not. I'm not worried about it. I like the aggressiveness for all the reasons we said, and and it is dialed up a little bit because it's an evaluation
0: year.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I would. I would say it's weird. Uh, Phil Snow over the past like month – not weird, excuse me. Uh, Phil Snow over the past month has really taken a, a lot of heat, especially on social media, but from this fan base because of how poor this defense has performed. And, and again, the thing that people seem to be harping on is this three-man rush that they're doing. And, and I said it last week, and I'll continue to say it. They're doing that three-man rush because they don't have any secondary. So And they don't have any defensive tackles. You can't rush four – when your other defensive tackle is an edge rusher named F.A. Abada. So it, it's tough to it, – it's tough for him to call blitzes. This is what a team that blitzes uh, – I believe they're bottom five in the entire NFL in terms of blitz percentage. They, you can't send a blitz. You can't, you can't have four and five guys rushing the passer because then you have uh, Troy Pride matched up one-on-one with Antonio Brown. Then you end up with, you know, Russell Douglas, who played really well for the first few games of the season – and and has kind of – hasn't really come back strong since he got off the COVID list. And those guys can't go one-on-one. You can't run a lot of man coverage. And you can't run a lot of man co- – when you can't run a lot of man coverage, you can't send blitzes. When you can't send blitzes, you can't run a lot of man coverage. So it's like a chicken-and-egg type situation. And when you look at this defensive roster, it's one of the least talented and one of the youngest in the entire league. And when they lost their only Pro Bowl player – uh in K1 short early in the season, they basically got to a point where it was like, okay, how can we survive rather than how can we attack? They can't be in attack mode on defense. They have to be in survival mode. And it's tough to to get through the season that way. And so I think that for all of the folks that are hating on Phil Snow, I get it. This is coming off a 46 point loss and they gave up a 98 yard touchdown run. It's not going to people are going to roast me, I'm sure. But I think for what he has been given, I think Phil Snow has done a, a pretty good job.
3: I, I I do agree with that, and, and and I did like the way that he played against Patrick Mahomes, and, and and the whole theory of of don't give up the big play, you know, rally and tackle like that that works until it's like third and four, and you got to get off the field. Yep. Like if you're not like if you're not going to send pressure, like you got to find another way to disguise coverages or, you know, now, now here's the other problem, you know, they're facing in the last four games, you know, for the best quarterbacks in the league in, you know, league history. Right. So like, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to be like, wow, like Tom, you know, Tom, couldn't get off the field when Tom Brady has a third and five, like, yeah, like that's, that's hard to do or Matt Ryan or Patrick Mahomes, like that's tough. um But, but whatever's whatever they're trying on third and medium, just isn't working like you can't keep giving up third and sevens third and sixes third and eights like that just and i know that the third and whatever was 14 sticks out third and 19 even worse right even worse um i mean that you know that obviously happens and that's a problem but but i'm more concerned about not really having a plan for those third mediums that you're going to find yourself in a half dozen times and you got to win half of those you know yeah, I, I really – we've talked about it before on the podcast. Jeremy Chen has at
2: various points been playing center field. I don't think that's where they want him, but I don't think they trust other people to, to, to be back there and play that role as much as they use Jeremy there. I mean, I guess we've done, we're doing the Phil of snow discussion, so we might as well just keep rolling along with it for just a minute here. Just look at the, the guys playing snaps. You mentioned Rasul Douglas. This defense is so good that a guy came off the street and stole the show for a month. And since then, he's looked like a guy that came off the street. Like, okay, that's fine. You mentioned it. KK Short and CMC missing games has not getting mentioned for anybody, apparently, even though they're the two best veterans you got going. Uh, you got Rasul Douglas playing 90% this week. Corn Elders over 70%. Burns is at 70% um, at 55 snaps. That's too many for, for Burns, just like Josh has been saying for weeks. Troy Pride. Special teams, guy, nope, playing 68%. And you're going against Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, Gronk, et cetera, et cetera. And by the way, that wasn't the comprehensive list. I was just getting the hairy eyeball from Josh, so I'm moving along. Because there's other young guys playing way too many snaps on this defense to effectively evaluate a first-year defensive coordinator on his performance as an NFL
3: assistant coach. Full stop. I have nothing to add. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even want to jump into that. I'm, I'm I'm intimidated right now.
2: Don't be intimidated. I'm a friendly bear. I just get excited. (laughs) I I just get excited because there's no way. Like, the only things that matter on this defense, in my opinion, really. I mean, great. Great that Shaq had a, a good game. Nice to see gross matos. But it's it's Chin, it's Brown, it's Burns. Those guys getting experience, getting to play against Brady, Breeze, all these guys, getting getting those tricks run on them. Everything that those veteran quarterbacks do—that's the most important thing. The rest of this defense has got to get patched together and figured out before we can we can determine whether or not Phil Snow's good at his job, in my opinion.
3: And and I mean he 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 you know hung with Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense and Drew Brees who it doesn't really matter who, like, I understand he had receivers out, but like, it doesn't really matter. Um, You know, he, he, I think he's done some good things and he's, and he's drawn up um, some, some schemes that have worked. And, and you're, I I just, I, I agree with you. I just don't think that the talent's there to, to, to properly evaluate him. And, And how many times over the past month plus where we've seen
2: these hall of fame level quarterbacks operating at the line of scrimmage, Getting what they want based on what the defense is showing them. What's Phil Snow supposed to do then? He's supposed to the guys on the field have to have to make the adjustments at that point. Phil Snow, this isn't college. You don't get to be over there looking it around. These are these are men operating at the line of scrimmage. I've been doing it for a long time, and you know what? They've won more battles against Tahir Whitehead in this defense than than you would think. You know, as expected. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, um, I think that when we went into this season, here's the thing: is we do we do this every single year, and every single team does it. Everyone does it. You have the narratives going into the season, and then you get six weeks into the season, and you just abandon them completely. You're just we knew going into this season that this defense was going to be bad, and was going to have to be carried by the offense, and this offense has let them down. So if you want to talk about so a well, unit that has been disappointing. It's not the defense who we had low expectations were right here. You can't see me in the Zoom box, but I'm right there at the bottom right. The offensive expectations were right up here, and this is a team that's been shut out in six out of ten third quarters coming out of halftime. They cannot pick up a first down on the first three drives of the second half. That, to me, is the defensive coaches going in the locker room, seeing what they've seen from Joe Brady for a half, making changes, and Joe Brady not able to adjust in time until the game is already out of hand.
2: Are you talking about future head coach guaranteed, doesn't need any more experience in life, he's just ready to run a squad and be Lombardi? Joe Brady, that same one? This is what's crazy to me. You're exactly right. And nobody here on this podcast is anti-Joe Brady. No, but how are the definitely scales, not
1: anti-Joe Brady.
2: How are the scales tilted so much when the offense – Is failing and got again got six points when they got the the best kick return we've had in a decade. 35,
1: didn't they have 35 net yards in the second half? I mean, obviously, it it was out of hand. It's tough to judge. So let's not, yeah, let's, yeah.
0: Let's have this expectations conversation. I, I feel like there's always been confusions with expectations. You know, now that we're in this kind of final six weeks here, where should these expectations be now? What, what, sh- what should we be expecting? What, what should we look for here?
2: <laughs> well, I, we've, we've, we've been hitting on it. This is an evaluation period. I'm a little bit confused. I was the guy on the far right of the graph saying, I thought this team had a chance to make the playoffs. We've seen K.K. Short not play. We've seen Christian McCaffrey not play. We've seen Teddy Bridgewater get knocked out of the fourth quarter of multiple games, and we've missed, you know, uh, you've missed the field goals at the end of the games. Things have not worked out. But somewhere along the line, I went from being the optimistic guy to getting passed by everyone that wanted to be on Team Tank who was disappointed and distraught. And just, oh, just Sunday was so tough watching Antonio Brown and Tom Brady and Gronkowski just – We we thought we were going places. What happened, Josh, to the expectations where I was over here, everyone else was over here, but then suddenly we get walloped by a team that has Super Bowl aspirations in their win-now window, and everyone's down? I'm confused. I think it's uh, it's
1: the loud minority uh, in my mind. And I also think there is – there are – this team – fooled a lot of the Carolina Panthers fan base by winning three straight games uh, and by starting the season 0-2 and, and bouncing back to go 3-2 and 2. and had those three wins been spread out over 10 weeks I think the expectations would be much more normalized than what they actually are if they had beaten the Chargers in week three and then the Atlanta game didn't come in week five it came in week eight so they they lost a couple games maybe that you know like when you loop when you win three straight and you jump out and they were the talk of the league and BMD is going to be oh my god Mike Davis is crazy and then all of a sudden we come back down to earth and they've lost these games that let's be honest were the uh, like if you look at these games before the season started Kansas City Tampa Bay like uh, these were games they were always going to lose or not always going to lose but who expected them to win and then we went from being top of the world because they only lost by two to Kansas City to being uh, the worst team in the league. And if they don't get the number one pick, it'll be a disappointment. Uh, when they get blown out by Tampa Bay, they're not as bad as they were on Sunday. And they're not as good as they have been in the past. They are somewhere in the middle. This is a, and I hate to say it, this is a rebuilding team. No one likes the word. I know it's a recharge. I'm sorry, call it. This is a recharging team. And when you're recharging, you don't just get all the energy right all at the same time. You have to put a little bit in, and then uh, some of that stuff isn't good. So you take that out Then you put some more in and he puts more in and he puts more in and then you're ready to compete in a couple of years. This is a year that they, they just were never going to be, they were never going to be competing for the NFC South. And when they were three and two and everybody said, well, look at the NFC South, not as good. Well, look at it now. Now you have the two, probably the two teams that everybody thinks are the two of the three best teams in the NFL are in the NFC South.
3: Uh, okay, <clears throat> I think that we should cut the fans a break because it's hard to be a fan, right? Like you get so emotionally wrapped up in no your breaks. team, right? Hey,
2: wait a minute, Phil. I'm wearing Hornets gear. What? What about being hard as a fan? Do you think I don't understand?
3: Uh, no, not 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 that. I not not like the challenges of actually rooting for a team that that has uh, uh, traditionally not uh, been a power. Uh, I, I, what I mean is. It's hard to divorce yourself from what's going on right now mm. when you're passionately invested in a team, right? So they're zero and two. Mm. You you know you lose Christian McCann. The same exact thing happened last year, right? Zero and two, lose uh, lose Cam. Uh, the season's over. We're toast. Win five in a row. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, Kyle Allen's the future. Like uh, th- this happens every year to every fan base, and I think you know you know banging on fans for for you know unreasonable expectations it's like that's hard for me because that's what fans do that's a beautiful thing about being a fan is like you get to have these unrealistic expectations where your team's gonna move down in the nba draft and and get the guy that you've been calling for for months but you know my point is the timing was bad right zero and two start um um lose christian and then win three games and and you look back with the benefit of hindsight and the Cardinals win is better than it looks. And the bears loss is worse than it looks. And then everything else kind of shakes out as, as a net positive, right? Like the, like the Falcons loss was bad, but Thursday night games are always weird. You know, you hang with the saints, you hang with the chiefs and you, and you're showing growth. You're showing your team has fight. And like, and then all of a sudden they come out and they get embarrassed by the bucks. And, and this was, you know, week two was a game, probably the, 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 the work prior to this past week, probably the worst game they've played. And they were still kind of in it, right. They rallied a little bit and they showed some fight So you're like, all right, you know, maybe we can hang with the Bucks and, and to be to have that result happen. Like, I get it. Like, I understand that you are disappointed and hurt and you thought they could be more competitive, but you know, again, like, you're right. Like, this is where we kind of thought they would be. And we were fooled a little bit into, you know, based on the schedule. I mean, like, when was the last time? It's never happened before, right? Five weeks in a row against either a Super Bowl MVP or a league MVP. Like, that's, that's a crazy slate. And you look at the schedule before the season, you say maybe one win, probably zero, right, in those, in those five games. And that's what happened. And they were competitive in a couple of them. That's good. Right. So, so I'm interested in what's going to happen next. Like they should, they should beat the lions. You know, are they going to be able to put together a complete game and win a game that they probably should? Are they going to finally win a game that they shouldn't, right? Are they going to win a game where they're not favored and they play better and they play above their head and they finish like, that's what I'm interested in and and, because you have to show growth. You have to show, you have to show the ability to win. And Josh, you asked Matt about this, Learning how to win. Like I thought, that was a fascinating answer that that he had uh, maybe a week or two ago where he was describing all the things that you have to learn how to do. Winning plays aren't just made in the last 30 seconds of the game. They could be made in the first quarter. That could be a winning play. You know, don't do too much. Don't press. Like those are things that if you're dealing with guys one, two years out of college that have always been the best player on the field since they were eight years old. And now all of a sudden they're not like, how do you handle that adversity? How do you manage your own expectations? Like, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just saying, It's hard to be a fan. It's hard to not get emotionally tied up into this. But I think what we're looking for now is growth, development. Are they going to be able to kind of fight through this? Are they going to be able to finish strong? You know, because we see that all the time. Like a team, you know, a team that's struggling wins three or four, you know, in the last month of the season. And then all of a sudden they come and they have a great year the next year. You know, I would love to see that. I would love to see them win two or three games in December and then come back next year and kind of build off that.
1: Couldn't agree more. Sorry, I, I, Colin, I know you're itching to say something, but just to build on that, they need – and I, I, uh, Stephen Toronto wrote a great column last week. They need a signature win that they can build on for next year. And at this point, there are really only two games left. There's at Green Bay and there's at New Orleans. At New Orleans or New Orleans is at home in week 17. I don't remember which one. But those – one of those two – games. if they can win one of those two games – And still continue to be competitive. Try, you know, like be be in these games. Continue kind of the road that they had been going on since Sunday. I I do think that they can build on the exact same model that the Miami Dolphins had last year, which was everybody thought they were going to tank when they the season first started. They lost a bunch of games. Everybody kind of wrote them off, and then they had some. They were competitive. They had wins. They played hard. They bought into the Brian Flores system, which I think most of these young guys are buying into the Matt Rule system. And then next year, you add some more talent. When you don't have the most dead cap in the history of the NFL on your on your books, then you can start to compete.
2: Well, I, I you said signature win. You mentioned week 15 at Green Bay and week 17 home against New Orleans. Now maybe that New Orleans game, if it doesn't mean anything, that one, I, I could buy that. But if you're talking about a, a win left on the schedule, I think you're looking at Denver and and Washington. I don't think you're
1: But that's not look, signature. That's not you, those are you're just not, wins. I'm telling you I was just, just witness.
2: You're not getting a signature
3: win this year. I don't think that's in the cards. So, so to me, a signature win isn't like I get beating Green Bay or beating New Orleans would, would be great. Like, to me, a signature win is being in a game in the fourth quarter and winning it right? Like, mm. like being down 21-17 with the ball with a minute and a half left and no timeouts and Teddy Bridgewater drives down and they score, right? Or, or, you know, four minutes left and they have the ball, get a stop, punt it and then go and score. Like that to me is a signature win. I don't think you have to beat a great, great, great team because I don't necessarily know if they can. I think, you know, to me it's a signature win is, look, this is how, th- like these are all the games that we've lost and this is how we've lost and now we're not doing that and we just won yeah like come out of that bye
2: week go into that Broncos game against uh lock a a team that you you got a quarterback that you're on par with rather than again and in all respect to teddy but not you know he's not he's not in that class uh uh that we're talking about much of much of the discussion here so i think I think Phil's signature win is way more viable than than yours
0: let's switch yeah. gears here um Rather than looking ahead to this Detroit game, let's instead kind of look at the position groups that you think the Panthers should address this season and where. Um, Josh, you want me to run through these, or does it make sense for you guys to tell me what you think is most important?
1: Um, how many years do you think offensive line needs to be at the top of the list? Like, I, is, I'm amazed is,
2: we've discussed it as little as we have this year. <laughs>
1: is it just every, is it every year? And side question, and I, don't, I think I asked this on the podcast last week. How many fan bases are hap- or how many how many teams are happy with their offensive line production? Because it seems like everybody, uh, like everyone, has a bad offensive line for the most part. Um, but this team, particularly, I don't think they have been as bad as maybe they have been in years past. But they just don't have any bodies coming back next year. It's Matt Paradis, it's Dennis Daly, and I think that's it. There's one more guy I think that they have under contract for next year. Oh, Greg Little. So, and Greg Little, they obviously don't feel comfortable putting on the field. So, they have Dennis Daly and Matt Paradis are coming back next year. And then everybody else is completely wide open. So, to me, it's like if you can go and you can get a – because left tackles are just as hard to find as we have seen here in Carolina since Jordan Gross. uh, I I would – I think, to me, that would be at the top of my list is bringing in um, a left tackle that you can count on uh, to play 16 games and, and be, get the job done.
3: I mean, when, when have we seen Teddy playing really well? It's, it's when he's protected when the offensive line is playing well. And, and I think, I mean, that's true with every other quarterback in the history of the NFL ever. Right. And, and the fact that the, the fact that they've had this kind of rotating turnstile at, at, at left tackle for so many years, is just stunning to me. Like, you know, if I'm, if I'm picking third and Trevor Lawrence isn't there, like what, like, wouldn't, wouldn't you take the best left tackle? Like, like, don't you have, like, isn't that where you have to start? And I think the question is like, is this a three year build or is this a team that's trying to make the playoffs next year? And I, and I think if, if it's kind of in the ladder where you're trying to really build and really have a foundation and really compete for years and years and years, you have to start at the offensive line. You have to, and, and I don't know. I I think, I think it starts with re-signing Taylor Moten. I think that's, that's gotta be something that they do. And I think you draft a left tackle and I think you improve the, maybe through free agency, you improve the, the interior line. And again, it's like, this is the, this is the worst year to have a, a high draft pick because so many teams either aren't playing or their stars aren't playing or, or it's just – it's harder to evaluate. So, again, it's, just, it's kind of bad timing for the Panthers. But I, I agree with you, Josh, offensive line.
2: As we talk about the offensive line, too, and we talk about Pang Moten, and I'm, I'm all for having a little bit of – a little continuity here, certainly. But I can't believe that not only have we continued the left tackle rotation – but it's actually accelerated when you look at the fact that they're playing multiple guys within each game this year. The fact that Moten never, never left for Moten, like it's just not even on the table. He played a little bit of left tackle last year, and it was like the, I know, but the, to me, like I'm saying, if I'm paying a right tackle and hmm. we're at this spot with left tackle, and still I can't swing you over, like how much am I paying? How much am I paying you? Does that make any sense? Saying well, yeah. I, I, You've Sorry heard the
1: adjusting. you've heard my um, left tackle to right tackle analogy for uh, for it's switching hands when you're wiping your butt. Uh, it seems like you could do it with either hand, but it's not so easy uh, if you've ever tried. So uh, that's that's kind of what that's how I. Feel I'm just about saying it, if we were let, let's shown just shown that he can't play left tackle. <laughs>
2: Okay, but that's to me is like let's roll this forward. Like let's say you're you're in a couple more years and you've got a, a situation like it's this is now a weakness that you just that you can't ever use. And yet I'm paying this guy. I'm just it just to me kind of sours me that we could be a potential playoff run and you've got a right tackle that you're paying eight figures or whatever it's going to be to get him. But push comes to shove, he can't ever come over and help us on the left side. I, that's.
3: I don't know. So, so, so I would just say that like right tackle is really important too, right? Like that's where like Cleo Mack's going to line up over the right tackle spot. And, and you need somebody that can, that can, that doesn't need double, double team help every single snap. Um, Like obviously everybody points to the left tackle and, and that is the most important tackle spot, but the right tackle is really important too. So, so if, if you can lock him down, cause he is playing really well, I think he's, he's in the building. You get first crack at signing him. Go ahead and sign him. Invest that money. Like, make that commitment to your offensive line. Go out and get a left tackle and, and, and build, you know, get your hog mollies and, and build from the inside out. Yeah, I think it depends. Uh, to me, it's all about the number.
1: I mean, we're gonna, we'll are gonna we make this – we'll talk about this for the next six months, I'm sure, but uh, it, you can't sign Taylor Moten for $15, $16 million a year. You can sign him for 10 or 12 for sure. And I know that doesn't seem like that much of a difference. I mean, in real life, it's a huge difference, but in football terms, it doesn't seem like that much of a difference. But I think when you're paying a guy that can pay on the right side of the line, um, it's just, it's, it's tough. It's a tough pill for me to swallow to, to spend 15 million over there, but who knows this year, no salary cap. There just may not be a market out there for him. I'm sure there will be a market, but there may not be a $15 million market.
2: So we'll see.
0: Now that we've solved all the offensive line problems, what would be your Did next? Did we solve any of them or? Maybe. Nope. Oh, okay. Yeah, Not as know. effectively
2: as we have on every other episode, I believe.
0: <laughs> yep. Yes. Yes. What would be your next position that you would be looking at?
2: I, I got to go to the secondary. I, I know we've got, you got some young guys there. We're, we're trying to still evaluate Dante. Um, but the, the safety play, we're back here again. We're back here again. I, I'm, I'm, Thank you, Trey. Thank you for everything you've done. I need to see a safety that wants to hit some people and you can't have your other safety, you know, a guy like Sam Franklin being a guy that's missing assignments. I know he's young, but I think they need a talent injection in that, in that secondary, because you want to blitz more, you got to have guys that can cover one-on-one um, and they're just a, they're a ragtag group. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, I don't, I, uh, sorry, Phil. I, no, go ahead. Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I think that, um, uh, to me we 've gotten to a point here where i 'm taking the best player available in the first round like i think it's less i think we're, i think there there are very few spots on this team aside from uh one technique defensive tackle that i'm that i'm that i 'm all set at and running back excuse me but like I, other About than it? that like i 'll take the best i'll take you got a you got a bang up wide receiver you want me to draft at three okay i 'll take i 'll take a gander i 'll take a peek you got a quarterback you're interested? Okay.
2: He's- left t- there's a left tackle out of Oregon. If you're sitting there at number three and you can take that, I mean, this is the thing where this team has ended up because I think it's been I think it's been really good. You've been close a lot of weeks. You know that that the the point differential's been pretty close, but you keep taking those losses and keep sliding up those those draft rankings. I, I think I think it's played out well for the, for this organization. They're going to be able to get a, a, a juicy steak. They may not get. They're not going to get Trevor Lawrence, but there's going to be a juicy stake to take right there, and you're going to be probably taking the best player at a position, um, you know, with, with that first-round pick, and this the talent level is going to go up because as we've been saying, they're low on talent and they're they're even lower on
3: experience. So this this will be a step in the right direction. So so I, I think they I think last year kind of hitting a home run in the first two two, 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 two rounds, right? You get Derek Brown. I I'm good with him. Jeremy Chin obviously uh, has been a star and gross Matos like has shown flashes, right? So like you feel, you feel pretty good about your evaluation so far. I, I'm looking at the linebacker position because I, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not to like belabor a point. I would love to see how this defense would play with Luke, right? I'm sure everybody, everybody would, but he's always been that, that link between a secondary and the, and the defensive line, and he's been the one that gets everybody in position and makes sure they know what the checks are and what the calls are, and all that sort of stuff and not having not having him there organizing everything, I think accounts for a lot, right like I remember like we would watch games last year where he would miss an assignment or miss a gap, and it's just like like what just happened like like that never happens and and now you know, we see some of these, some of these missed gaps and, and you're just like, Oh, like, okay. Like that happened again. Right. So I I would not be averse to maybe not in the first round, but a a high draft pick invested at the linebacker position, middle linebacker position, and really develop that person. Because if you have, you know, it's, it's like in baseball where you kind of like set up the, you know, center field, second base, shortstop, kind of line up the middle of the, you know, Give me give me a defensive tackle that you can rely on give me a middle linebacker and then maybe address that secondary work your way back um, and, and maybe you know maybe one of those young guys develops into into what you need based on that cohesiveness that a middle linebacker could bring
2: and I know people didn't like it at the time a lot of people were down on the Derek Brown pick I still think that the hay being in the barn for this team with it with that defensive tackle position being taken care of it makes it's like you we would be having that discussion right now about this team getting just run up the middle and whether or not you could afford to not take a defensive tackle versus everything else I think I think that pick in time is just going to continue to look better for him
3: and and you got Isaiah Simmons in Jeremy Chin anyway so so that that's the guy that that everybody wanted you got him you got a better Mm -hmm. (laughs) you got a better Isaiah Simmons and you got Derek Brown too I and that's, and that I think should give this fan base more hope than anything is these evaluations were pretty spot on. And, and I know, you know uh, you know, the, the knocks on Troy pride or whatever, he wasn't supposed to be a cornerback like not this year. He was yeah. supposed to be a special teams guy. Um, and, and the fact that he has gotten thrown in and, and hasn't gotten, you know, that Julio Jones didn't have 200 yards against him. Like that's actually a positive, you know, he wasn't supposed to be out there covering him one-on-one in the fourth quarter against Atlanta. So I think, you know, I think if there's anything that should be encouraging for fans, it's that these evaluations have been, have been pretty solid.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are, there are a lot of young pieces to this team. And, again, just same thing. You're building a house here. And so now you have some more piece, some more really nice cinder blocks on the, on the foundation. There's Derek Brown. There's Brian Burns. There's Jeremy Chin. There are these young guys. DJ Moore is another young guy that, like, everybody seems to somehow like dislike DJ Moore for all he's getting is 1200 yards in his third season. And he's the fifth. Does he have the fifth, fifth most receiving yards in in the history of the franchise through three, through two and a half seasons seems pretty good. Like I don't think that DJ Moore has been a disappointment by any means, but because he's not Julio Jones or Mike Thomas yet, everybody seems to be kind of down on him. Um, But uh, to me, it's like, these guys are, these guys are, are good foundations that you can build on and then you keep adding to them. Then you, you know, there's a quarterback next year, or there's a tackle next year. There's a corner next year. These you keep building and then eventually you're putting a roof on and it's uh, and it's whoever the guy is that everybody wants to sign here this year.
2: I do really wonder if this year, if we didn't have 2020 stuff going on, if there, we would be seeing more roster churn. Like I think it may be more apparent to everybody that this was a developmental year if maybe there was more roster churn, but because of everything that goes into bringing guys in and out and all the added complications, I I think that you see less of it and makes it seem like the the team's a little bit more stable. It
1: is a full week before you can get
2: a guy in the building.
1: Yeah. So if you bring in a guy on Tuesday, he's not playing on Sunday. He cannot play for you on Sunday. So if somebody gets hurt, you have to have somebody like, hey, Christian, we're not sure if Christian's going to be able to go next Sunday, so we need to bring in a running back now in order to sign him six days later to have him on the active roster for 13 days from now. Like that that, that stuff can't be underestimated enough. There's a reason why they keep turning through Taylor Bert, 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 Bertolet, the kicker that they keep putting on the practice squad and then cutting him every week. And everybody's like, why do they keep bringing this guy back in? It's because they just don't know. Like Joey Sly gets COVID on Saturday. They need to have somebody else in the building, and you have to start that process two days ago to get him in on Sunday.
0: Let's go to the game. This Let's week, do we, it. This week we are playing Ice It Up, Son. Little, Ice you know. up, son. Ice up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Everyone came with sounds and props. I love it. So the game is what Panthers specific conversations. This could be about a specific person and player if need be need to be put on ice for a period of time. And for the sake of your strength of your case and your argument, how long does this need to be put on ice? I feel like Colin might want to go first.
2: Well, I think we, we, uh, we thought we were going to do Phil Snow in this segment.
0: Ice up, son. Ice up.
2: I think, I think Phil Snow, I think you just leave him, he leave him be for, for, for a while. we got to get him a draft class. we got to get him an offseason. We, we, we've belabored the point on you know, the talent deficiencies he's currently dealing with. But I think right now Phil Snow is the defensive coordinator. Don't, don't fret about it. Don't worry about it for at least a year and a half. Okay. Uh, I, how
3: about
1: this one? Um, when somebody gets released around the league, the Panthers are not going to sign him.
3: I up, son. Ice up. Guy, I saw.
1: DeAndre Baker's
2: not walking through that door.
1: Yeah, they're they're not the. Oh, you mean the guy that just that just had all the charges dropped against him? I get it. Oh, and he got signed by the Chiefs, who are one play, who are negative two players away from going to the Super Bowl. Like <laughs> this team is not bringing somebody in with six weeks left that has some sort of baggage with them. Tack McKinley, who just tweeted his way out of uh, out of uh, out of Atlanta. Is not coming to Carolina. Like that's not how you build a culture They're They may make some signings, but I, I don't think that, um, that some of these guys that are getting cut for personnel, for personal reasons, instead of personnel reasons, they're not coming to Carolina.
3: All right. Colin's not going to like mine, but, but mine is stop worrying about draft position. <laughs> Give me the sound. Thank you. Come on. Josh, you did it for Josh. Yeah, you can't you do it left for me. You, you totally said it was tar ahead.
2: wait a minute. You said it was targeted at me. Then you want me to
3: play along with that? I don't have I don't I have the sound saw ready. Saw. <laughs> Bring uh, your saw. own. I saw, saw. <laughs> I saw. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair, fair enough. Um so so again, like I, I, I there will be someone in the, in the first round that can immediately impact the Carolina Panthers wherever they draft, whether that's because they're not going to get to one, whether that's three or 10, right? There's going to be somebody there that will have an immediate impact on this team. So it really doesn't matter where they draft. And, and all I, I was promised we were going to get a tanking conversation in. So I'm going to jam it in here. Okay. Do it. Jam it. The, Dol- the Dolphins tried to tank last year they they did everything they could to lose games and then they didn't and they ended up getting the guy they wanted the whole time anyway so tanking doesn't work in the nfl more so than that i i looked it up one time a couple of weeks ago and out of the past like 30 years i think only only like a handful of guys a half dozen guys that were drafted number one overall played in a super bowl with the team that drafted them okay it's not the nba right this isn't the nba where you can draft a lebron james and instantly become a title contender like it takes pieces it takes time so when you're talking about drafting the best player available you can have six needs you can need a linebacker you need a safety you can need a cornerback you need a left tackle you need an interior lineman one of those guys In a premier situation, uh, one of those premier guys at that position will be available, and that's another piece that you can get. And then maybe you hit a home run in the second round like you did this year. That's the way you build a team. You don't build a team by losing on purpose, getting to the number one pick, and then hoping that guy turns into something, right? So don't worry about where they're going to pick. What you should worry about is how these guys play, how the young guys develop, more so how they respond to adversity, how Matt Rule coaches these guys how they you know uh uh, are are they going to start figuring things out in the third quarter is joe brady going to learn how to make those adjustments that he needs to make that he just hasn't been able to make yet Uh, you know uh is phil snow going to figure out a way to use the pieces he has to be successful on third down like those are the questions you should you should be worried about don't worry about where you're going to draft for the next 75 years
1: so, we need a better I, word. I, we need a better word than tanking, because now tanking has been has been all encompassing. Your guys are going out there and laying down on every single play. There's a difference between strategically strategically positioning your roster to maybe not be re- to not have your Super Bowl window open this year, and going out there and being like, "We're gonna lose. We're going 0 and 16." You can't get these guys to like they they practice too hard. They have worked too hard to go out there and try and lose. But ultimately, sometimes your talent just doesn't match up with, with the rest of the NFL at a certain point. And the, the NFL goes in windows, and certain teams, their window just isn't open right now.
3: But, but you, you've got a 53-man roster, and, and uh, you want a bunch of losers on that team and then bring a number one draft pick in, and then all of a sudden they're going to be winners? You know what I'm saying? Like, you, like, you have to show some fight and show some development. You, you, like I, The Panthers are overmatched especially in the NFC South, talent-wise, right? They, they won't be forever. So why not instill that mentality and build something for the future so when you do have the talent, those guys are in place and you have the culture you want and you go win games.
2: I agree completely. It's you are, it's about, it is about growing a culture. You don't want Derek Brown, a big fella, you know, just being stereotypical here, just the big fella coming up. Hey, Hey big guy, welcome to the pros. Here's a bunch of money. Don't worry about this year. You just yeah. hit the buffets, do whatever you want. We're going to come back next year. and We're going to start trying to win some stuff, but this year just, you just cut loose. No, this year has been important for Burns, for chin, for Brown, for, for, for these young guys and by competing and by being in games, that has meant something. Now, at the end of the game, maybe you do attempt a 60-yard field goal rather than trying to throw it down and get a pass interference call and give yourself a better chance to win, or maybe blah, 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 blah because you do want the draft position. But I, I'm with you, Phil. Like, I'm not, I'm not living life going through this, but at the end of the day, I am checking and going, hey, things worked out okay for the home team on this weekend. Um, but I, I'm with you. I'm, not, I'm anti-tanking. I don't think it works. I don't think it necessarily works in the NBA even. Um, but you're right. You look at the quarterbacks that have gone one-one. Is Jared Goff the example of the one-one quarterback that everyone's like, ah, you you take him one-one, you're definitely going to the Super Bowl. I mean, it's the Manning brothers, it's the Goffs, or it's Goff, and I think that's the list here in recent years. Andrew uh, Luck. But, but even won. he didn't yeah. go to the Super Bowl. Exactly, yeah.
3: yeah. I mean, Newton. W- oh, Newton. Oh, Look- I see. Yeah, go to the Super Bowl. I got
2: you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, got drafted by and then went to the Super Bowl with the right, team right, that right. took him at 1-1. Yeah. But, yeah, Andrew Luck's another great one. Where are the Colts right now if they have Andrew Luck? But, oh, he decided they wanted to snowboard and got hurt, and he just got to walk away from the game, and nobody really cares anything about it, which I'm sure would have happened if one walked away from us. But this, they did everything right. Colts fans, you did everything right. We got the 1-1. We got the all of it. And then he just walks away, and what have you got? So, like, oh, but we did everything right. We, we sat through Curtis or we, we, de- we dealt with Peyton. Oh, Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. That's why you don't tank, because you can't control tomorrow. You just want to make sure that your team's playing as good as they can. Um, and so I agree with you, Phil. And, it, and if, it's, if it's rubbing off on the fans, I will, I will resist uh, updating people on where we are in the draft position, even though it's good. <laughs> Another conversation I would like to put on ice is Teddy Bridgewater. Now, oh boy! I, this is not – this is – understand, I was the pro-Teddy guy, and this is, what I'm, this is what I'm proposing, that there are more issues. The offensive line needs to, get, needs to get fixed. The depth issue needs to get fixed on the offense. We didn't even talk about tight end. What have we got going on at that position? Um, I think for the, for, for the evaluation of D.J. Moore, for the evaluation of everything else around Teddy Bridgewater, you take him off the table for the remainder of this season and next season. Now, my caveat to this is if you're sitting there at whatever draft pick it is that Phil doesn't want me to discuss, and you're sitting there, and you like an individual, not a quarterback, but you like the individual, and you say, this is the dude, I'm fine with that. I'm great with that. But otherwise, take the offensive tackle, keep Teddy Bridgewater your quarterback, and keep improving this team around him. Let him be the bridge quarterback he was brought in to be. And then again, draft time rolls around. And do the do the same evaluation. I just think there's too many things again, like we talked about with Phil, to evaluate Teddy. I don't think this team's quarterback position will be in any way improved over the next 18 months with anyone other than Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. I, I
3: so I do think though, I, I do think if you want to win a Super Bowl, I think what history has shown us, you have to hit a home run with a with a rookie quarterback with a quarterback that you drafted because if you have a quarterback that's on your roster that's making rookie money on their rookie deal that's how you're able to build a franchise unless you have a guy like Tom Brady who has restructured his contract uh a number of different ways i like you, you can't I, I you saw it happen with the Seahawks where they, they're competing every year because their quarterback's making $800,000, right? And that gives you the flexibility. All of a sudden, he's making $32 million or whatever he's making, and that just changes the dynamic of your whole team. So I think you have to, if you want a guy that's going to go out and win you a Super Bowl, you have to hit a home run on that draft pick, whoever that may be, whether that's in the, whether that's first overall, whether that's in the third round, whether that's in the seventh round. Like, guys are out there. Late first round, they can take you to a Super Bowl. You just got to figure out who that is.
2: Now, with the, where the talent on this roster is, I think if you take a guy in this draft, and that's your argument that we're going to do, do the rookie deal, that I don't think the talent's going to be there. If you say in 2022, yeah, after yeah, we've yeah, done yeah. another one, now, yeah. because to me, right. the team window and, the, and that individual player window aren't quite adjoined. So that to me is where, again, if you give me a name, you say, this is the young man that we like, and this is the young man we're taking with the first overall pick then by all means, but I just not here for Teddy V random quarterback or I'm, whatever.
3: i yeah, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not saying this year at, at all. I am I'm, I'm, I'm looking ahead at 2022, you know, maybe, right. maybe yeah. Sam Howell's out there. Maybe grab a Ooh, Sam Howell. Now, you mean, you know you know what mean what new, new Baker, better Baker, Spencer Rattler.
1: <laughs> one more, the, the, one more. Can we, can we get the, get the, get the drop ready? Um, ice
3: up, son. Ice up.
1: Can we, uh, can we stop, um, complaining about the long term
2: future of guys that are not going to be here next year
3: I saw son. I saw
2: Are you talking about a linebacker perhaps we, like if he's here it. if he's here on the, at the beginning of next year if he's starting week 1 take it and, out and of the cooler here, and let's talk I'll, about I'll it. have the signs with you I'll be out there with you but, <laughs> but guess I'm not what? I'm just we get it. he hasn't
1: been good he's getting paid the veteran minimum and he's a captain they're not cutting him mid season like we get it uh I, I i you you look at his snap counts they've gone down week over week it's not being lost on anybody but this was always going to be a run stuffing linebacker that was going to struggle in pass coverage and guess what he has been a okay run stuffing linebacker and he has really struggled in pass coverage and he has been a, an emotional leader that matt rule felt like he could trust from a culture and a brand standpoint and uh, that is what you have gotten from him. And if he's here next year, then let's talk about him. But week 12 of this season, I get it. He's in the wrong gap. I get it. It's frustrating. I get it. I'm, I'm well aware. I get it.
3: I saw, son. I saw.
0: <laughs> and on that note, Phil, where can the folks at home find you on the Twitters and on the airwaves?
3: Uh, so I am at Phil Orban, WSOC9. It's a little long. But uh yeah phil orban w s s c nine I'm on twitter and uh and watch our uh, panthers uh game day live pregame show eleven a m on channel nine
1: who's on the show this week Phil, before the lions game
3: uh so we got you know i don't you know Deshaun, uh does those one on ones and she's talking to somebody today so i can't I can't tease that yet because uh, I don't oh, know who it is the secret? but uh, oh. <laughs> what's that?
2: Sorry, I
1: didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, 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 no. It's it's it's, it's
3: no. It's it's not a secret. I just uh, she lets you know the the, the Panthers organize who uh, who mm. she gets to talk to. But she actually has this really cool segment. We call it Off Mint, where we talk to uh, to guys one on one specifically about stuff that's not football related. She had a really good conversation with Matt Paradis, who grew up in a town with like eight hundred people on a cattle farm. Mm. Uh, so that was that was a really good conversation. So she's uh, she's she's good at that sort of stuff.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah. We got Colin CLT, Josh Klein rules, Nikki seven hundred four. Josh, anything you need to tell the folks? Yeah, we if you're riot? listening to
1: this, if you're listening to this right now, come to the Bring Back the Buzz draft party. Uh, but if you're um, if you're probably listening to this after that has happened, uh, the Roaring Riot uh, last weekend had a raucous section uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Over two hundred and fifty uh, of the biggest Panthers fans, um, Roaring Riot folks, were there making noise, standing up on third down, um, just overall being loud, which I don't think is something that has been happening very much in Bank of America stadium. I could tell you that I specifically, it's just very frustrating to go in there on a third down at the goal line when the Panthers are down by one possession and Tom Brady is lining up to go for it from the two and the hundred level is just sitting on their hands, staring at the game. And it's like, guys, you can stand up and cheer anytime you want. Like it's, Things are happening. Get out there. It's happening. So uh, I, I think that it, it's it's really exciting. And you can be part of that Roaring Riot section um, To Go to RoaringRiot.com.
0: Love it. Love it. Love it. This has been One Day Contract, part of the Riot Network. Phil Orban, your one-day contract is up. Everyone else, we'll see you next week. That's great. It starts with an earthquake. Birds and snakes and airplanes.